0: Turning Points change the course of our lives, whether it's a big decision, overcoming an obstacle or tragedy, or taking a leap of faith. These stories of inspiration and resilience are what Turning Point is all about. Hello everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Turning Point. Today we are joined by Beth Beattie. She is Senior Legal Counsel for the Ontario Ministry of the Attorney General, where she specializes in health law. Now, Beth also lives with bipolar disorder. And while she hid this from her colleagues for years, there was a turning point that led to her sharing her story with the hope of helping others. Thank you so much for being here today, Beth. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You know, the first time uh, I heard your story uh, was on Bell Let's Talk, and it really struck me. Uh, my fiancé's a lawyer, and so I've spent a lot of time over the years with uh, his colleagues, of course, and his friends who are lawyers. And this conversation about the stigma around mental health in the legal profession has, has come up quite a bit uh, over that time. Um, and I was just struck by by your honesty um, and you know how openly you shared your story. But I did wonder, did you, before you shared your story, did you ever experience that stigma? Um I was afraid that I would. I don't actually think that I did experience
1: stigma, but I was afraid that I was going to. And you're quite right about the legal profession. We're four times as likely to live with depression and anxiety as the general population. So even though it's rampant in our profession, people still, for the most part, remain silent. So it was quite unusual for me to disclose when I did. Yeah,
0: wow. Four times. That's a pretty big... That's huge. That's big
1: 28, 28% of us live with depression and 19% with anxiety. Wow.
0: So despite that fear of, of experiencing stigma, there was a turning point for you that led to you uh, coming in, out and sharing your story. So what happened? Yeah. So after 14
1: years of keeping my story a secret, uh, I um, spoke with two women in my office uh, in separate conversations and one of them disclosed to me that her mother was living with severe anxiety and was an inpatient at CAMH, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, the uh, main psychiatric hospital in Toronto. And the other one told me that her daughter was an outpatient at that hospital dealing with anxiety and depression. And I heard their stories and I just thought to myself that I could offer so much support and information that I just thought, Beth, just take the plunge. And tell them and help them out. Uh, so that's what I did. And we ended up having wonderful conversations and neither of them batted an eyelash. And um, I, since that was the beginning of my becoming really quite a vocal advocate for mental wellness, especially in the legal profession.
0: Wow. So these two women, you know, kind of tell you these stories and not not with any intention of of trying to get you to share your own, of course, just confiding in you. Um, But then you take it that step further and and decide to share it more publicly. So what did that look like when you made that decision that you were going to do that?
1: Right. Well, it snowballed from there. I, I thought after those conversations, well, that was kind of fun and really invigorating and cathartic. So I thought that I would tell some other colleagues of mine, sort of my closest friends in the office. And I did. I told a few of them, and that went really, really well. So I then took the plunge and told my legal director, and she was wonderfully supportive about it. And then I did the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life, which was to make a presentation to my entire branch. And that's about 45 people, lawyers and staff. And I had a few weeks to lead up to it. And those three, a few weeks, I had an upset stomach. I couldn't sleep properly. I had pangs of anxiety in my chest. I was just so anxious about making that presentation. But I was determined to do it, and I did it, and I got amazing support from my colleagues. They stood up and they gave me a standing ovation, and I burst into tears. (laughs) It was really quite a moment. And once I had the support of my colleagues, I knew that I could do anything. And that's when I really became a very vocal advocate.
0: You mentioned that this was 14 years after your diagnosis. So what was it like during that time kind of having to hide all of this from your colleagues? It was terrible. I
1: really considered myself a condensed ball of angst Mm -hmm. to not be sharing my story. I didn't really... (laughs) appreciated at the time how important it was to get that weight off of my shoulders. But once I did start talking, I, I realized, oh my goodness, I, I really was that condensed ball of angst. And I just, I lived in sort of a darkness and it wasn't my mood. My mood had been stable for many years, but I was just sort of in the shadow of things. I was living sort of a half truth. And then once I started talking, wow, it, it really was overwhelming in a wonderful. Way.
0: It's really beautiful to hear you tell this story about, you know, about sharing with your colleagues, and of course, of course, there would be anxiety and fear ahead of that. But the fact that it was so well received, they gave you this standing ovation. I'm sure, I'm sure, aside from you feeling relieved, a lot of them probably felt relieved too, because I'm sure, did you hear from them after some of them who said they'd been hiding their own?
1: Every stories? time I shared my story, I heard stories come back at me. Either my colleagues themselves were living with anxiety or depression, um, uh, typically, or they had loved ones, family members or friends who were living with some kind of mental health challenge. So uh, I have heard at this point so many stories of people living with mental health issues. It's quite overwhelming. And again, in the legal profession, there's so many of us with these issues that I've heard countless stories.
0: At the time, um, I just want to kind of step back in time a little bit, because at the time that you were diagnosed, you were 35. um, You had a very busy, high-profile job, even at that time, um, as you do right now. So tell me about that that time about you know uh, getting diagnosed and what led up to that moment for you right. yes
1: um, you're right i was 35 years old at the time in the diagnosis of the bipolar disorder i had been diagnosed with a major depression eight years before that so i had had uh, some uh, mental health challenges leading up to the bipolarity what happened um, the the uh, was that i to make a long story short, my partner left me seemingly without any warning and I stopped sleeping. And for me, if I combine an antidepressant with not sleeping, it can ramp up my mood into a hyper, like a hypomanic, a mild mania. But in this case, when I was 35, I had a full on um, psychotic episode where I lost touch with reality and I thought my father was God and my nephew was the second coming or the Jesus Christ of the 21st century. And I, um, I, my family did not know what to do with me. I hadn't disclosed to them in the prior eight years that I had a mental health issue, that I was living with depression. So they were really shocked when I started sounding so odd, like just saying these, um, uh, these very odd things. They finally convinced me to go down to CAMH and I was eventually admitted as an inpatient.
0: Wow. So that must've been incredibly scary for... For everyone. For at everyone,
1: the time. it was it was terrible for my family. They just didn't know what was going on. Interestingly, um, uh, family, other family members and friends talk about how it brought my family together. Mm. That they really did rally around me and support me in in addressing uh, my mental health issue um, and get back onto the road to recover recovery. So there was a silver lining and all of that. But it was it was very hard on them at first.
0: So when you uh, when you did go to CAMH uh, after your family encouraged you to do that, uh, what was your time there like?
1: Well, it was a very
0: interesting start
1: to my time there, um, because uh, my brother took me down to the emergency department at two in the morning, and we were led off to the side into a small room where I was to be seen by a psychiatrist. And uh, my brother was getting really tired, so he said he was gonna go find a coffee, so he left to go find a Tim Hortons. And um, after a few minutes, I heard this bang come from the emergency department area, and a woman's voice cry out, I need a lawyer. And she said it again, I need a lawyer. So I got up, and I went around the corner. Because of course, you're a lawyer, so (laughs) yeah, okay. I just wanted to be helpful. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a young woman sitting there with a trickle of blood coming down her forehead and two police officers, one sitting on either side of her. And I announced, I'm a lawyer, how may I help you? Well, the officers stood up and they approached me and some staff members came from behind and they escorted me to another room where I was to be seen by a psychiatrist. And um, the universe at this point was telling me to approach the psychiatrist in a a threatening manner. I wasn't meant to hurt her. The, The universe was telling me not to, but I was supposed to approach her as if I was going to. So I did. Well, there was a button on the wall and she banged it and a code white rang out, which means that there's a violent person so all these staff members came from the surrounding area and they grabbed me kind of kicking and screaming because the, the universe was telling me to resist. Mm-hmm. And they hauled me off to another room where there was a gurney and they placed me on the gurney and put me in four point restraints and shot me full of antipsychotic medication. And then I lost consciousness. Wow. So that um, began a two week stay at, at the hospital. Um, And it was extremely traumatizing to get the diagnoses. Mm.
0: I bet, wow. You remember all of this so clearly. Is it, do you feel like, is the memory like a dream or do you actually remember the feeling of... of
1: I remember that part. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I remember all of that. Now, I don't really remember the first few days in hospital. It kind of all blurred together. Mm. I was, you know, pretty sedated for a while to Mm. bring my mood down. Um, But it was interesting because I was in the hospital for two weeks, but the second week I went to the office. Uh, And then, so I do my... uh, day job. And then i returned to the hospital uh, they wanted to make sure I was taking my meds, getting enough sleep, responding well. So it's amazing how once you get the help that you need, you can turn it around really quite quickly.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I just assumed you were kind of in the hospital for that whole time. No, I was there for a week and then
1: I was at the office working away and no one knew. My boss, my father had called her and said that um, I had a, a drug-drug interaction. <laughs> which he's a very ethical person, okay. so I think that's as close as he could get to telling the truth without actually uh, telling them that I had been hospitalized wow. in a psychiatric hospital.
0: And how, I, I mean, I, I'm, I can't imagine how hard it must have been to have experienced this and then to go back to work and to not be able to talk or to not tell anyone, to not be able to talk about it. How was that?
1: It was very challenging. Um I, I was quite obsessed with the fact that I had this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Like I can remember sitting at my desk and I'd do a little bit of work and then boom, it would strike me, I have bipolar disorder. I have a major mental illness. And then I'd, I'd work for a few minutes and then boom, I, I have bipolar disorder. And that feeling, that like consistent thought pattern lasted for a very long time.
0: Those words, when you heard them the first time, did you, you know, you had been in the hospital for about a week, I guess, when you got the formal diagnosis.
1: Yeah, I think they basically diagnosed me right away. Right away. Okay. Um, Uh, So
0: did it take time? I know you're saying it kind of would hit you. Did it take time to kind of believe that that's what it was? I
1: think I probably was in denial Mm -hmm. for a while. Not to the point where I thought I didn't need medication. I think that's when people get into trouble where they're in such denial that they think, well, I don't need the medication. I've taken my medication religiously for uh, many years now. I never question it because it's kept me well for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for a while there, I, I, I thought, well, I've heard of bipolar disorder but I don't think that applies to me because there was such stigma, and there continues to be stigma around bipolar disorder. And I just thought, no, that that really, is that really who I am? Because there's such stereotyping around us where we're seen to be unstable. And unreliable and I certainly didn't want to be seen that way as a lawyer Uh, so I did have that internal struggle not thinking that I looked the picture of someone with bipolar disorder but it affects people across socioeconomic status like education all of that I'm no one special by any stretch I just thought really can I can I work as a lawyer with this diagnosis
0: I think that that for, you know, I've read, um, I read the article that you wrote in the Globe and Mail uh, after you gave that presentation to your colleagues. And I think this is one um, aspect, what you just mentioned there about, you know, that mental illness spans all walks of life is something that really, um, that I really took away from your writing as well. You know, you you make this very, uh, compelling, um, not argument, I should, statement that, that this is something that can affect anyone. And I think, uh, I found it really comforting in a way in to read, to read you, you know, as you wrote that as somebody who, you know, has a job in the legal profession who, you know, because I think that that is part of the stigma, right? We think, Oh, it, it only happens to, to certain kinds of people. And obviously, it does not. So, what kind of response have you received um, from you know your article in the Globe and Mail, from speaking out on Bell, "Let's Talk," um, from from people of from maybe different walks of life? Yeah, it, the
1: support and positive feedback is just immeasurable. Mm-hmm. It's just been so wonderful. Out of all of the advocacy work that I've done, and I'm talking like I've I've presented to the majority of the top firms in Toronto. Um, I've just probably made 60 presentations at this point and I've only once received a negative comment Uh, and that include the Globe and Mail. I got only positive feedback so I'm really quite amazed by it and I have to say that I f- have found such comfort because so many people have disclosed to me uh, their mental illnesses either not too many people with bipolarity we're a little rare um, but in terms of anxiety and depression um, just to know that there's so many other people living with those conditions and working very productively um, so I found that um, very comforting. And I've also really enjoyed that people have found comfort in my story. I I just find that so incredibly satisfying because I had been so closeted for those 14 years. And I so wish that I had someone, a role model, I don't love describing myself as a role model, um, but if I had have heard stories of someone, like say a senior um, practicing lawyer who's living with some kind of mental health issue, it would have bring, brought me such comfort and relief. So I like being able to play that role for other people.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I imagine it has given so many people hope in, in sharing their stories as well. Uh, and in just in knowing they're not alone of course, too. Um, I know so your work now, um, you, you, that you know that was the beginning, the presentation to your colleagues, the article in the Globe and Mail. Uh, as you mentioned, you've done more than 60 presentations since then and your work continues uh, to this day. Uh, You mentioned uh, we had a a phone call before uh, this interview, and um, we talked about uh, how your work now is really focused uh, a lot on uh, talking to people in leadership positions about the importance of of sharing their experiences with mental health issues um, to help younger people. So tell me um, why that stood out to you as an area that was important to focus on.
1: Yeah, I I think it's just the importance of role models. Had I during those 14 years been able to reach out to someone whether a practicing lawyer or a teacher or basically some kind of professional, or not just a professional, um, but someone. It it could have been um, people in a variety of um, jobs that were just successfully working. I think that's what it came down to. I just needed to be able to know that I could work successfully um, in my field. So what I've I've done is um, I wrote an article for Lexpert, which is the um, main legal publication for the business of law. And it's about why I think we need senior lawyers to um, uh, to, uh, uh, disclose that they are living with mental health conditions. uh, Because We need those role models to break the ice for the younger people who are coming up. Because one thing when you're living with um, depression, anxiety, bipolarity is you feel so vulnerable. And if you know that there's someone in your firm, in your office um, that you can go to to get that comfort, um, then it's something that we really have to do. And we can't put that burden on young people at the beginning of their careers. It's just too much to ask of them. Because they're they're so busy, you know, just yeah. trying to make make a name for themselves. So they might feel that they stand out too much if they disclose. So we have to leave it to the more senior people uh, to break that ice um, and to show that you can have a
0: very successful career um, while living with a mental health issue. I think that that aspect is really important because um, you know early in your career too. You you feel really vulnerable, right? You you're just trying to get to the next level and get that promotion, and the last thing you want is to give any reason anyone any reason to think that you can't handle your workload or or you can't you know you're not fit to progress to that next level. So I think this idea of uh, of having role models and as you may say like having uh, people to look to to say oh this person successfully works and you know they have a mental health disorder it is really important for first of all that feeling like you can have confidant but also knowing that you too can can progress to that level yeah that's exactly right it's interesting now because I do see
1: more junior people starting to disclose which I think is very encouraging and wow it it takes real courage to do that Um, so I really admire them one thing I'm involved with at the Ministry of the Attorney General um, is a group of us uh, lawyers, as well as staff, who have lived mental health experience or who have cared for people with um, uh, mental health issues, and we have come together and put on education programs. We've we've done sessions on anxiety, perfectionism, depression, um, suicide prevention we now have over 25 people who are prepared to speak openly about uh, their mental health issues and it's um, mainly senior people but a number of uh, junior people and mid-level people as well and i find that very encouraging and we're like a support network for one another as well like we're just because we we've told one another our stories it's just a wonderful wonderfully supportive group of people and I would love to see more of that, mm-hmm. like see it on Bay Street, see it in other professions. Uh, I think that there's, um,
0: uh, there are opportunities out there to make that happen. It's just incredible to hear this, You know, after this kind of humble beginning of a presentation to your coworkers, how much this has turned into, how many people you've already helped. Um, another thing that kind of struck me as I was preparing for uh, our interview was um, I looked at your LinkedIn profile and you know, you really chronicle all of your professional accomplishments right alongside all of your advocacy work, and it's it's very public, it's very uh, it's very open. And I I thought, you know, the first thing I thought was, wow, like this is it's really bold to to put this out here. Um, but what compelled you to to do that? You know, to really show these two things side by side.
1: Well, I credit my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Like I credit speaking to uh, those two about the uh, mental health issues that the mom and the daughter were having and then making that presentation uh, to my colleagues because they actually were partly behind my becoming an advocate because they, were like, they said, oh, well, you, you should go tell this person or you should share your story with other branches, which I ended up doing. So it sort of snowballed, and I really enjoyed doing the advocacy work. Um, and then I just got lucky enough to get involved in the bellets Talk campaign um, so I just think I'm, I'm proud uh, of my profession like I, I'm proud to be a lawyer because it takes quite a lot of education and so on and I've been doing it for over 25 years now but I'm more proud of making a difference in my profession by talking about something that's so prevalent uh, amongst lawyers. So I, the two do sort of go, uh, hand in hand. I, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're right. They, um, they do go hand in hand. Yeah. When I retire, um, I think I will look back on a, on a great career, but I'll also look back with great fondness on having the opportunity to share my story with others and, and to, uh, know that I've brought some comfort to people
0: oh well, you absolutely have and you know this really brings us like very much full circle and and back to that that turning point uh, just over it was about I think three and a half years ago now so as you kind of reflect back and I know you just mentioned kind of you know retirement down the road what what is next for you uh, in between and and what what kind of what else do you hope to do uh, oh that's an excellent question I
1: I just want to keep telling my story, I think is the bottom line. And I want to play um, a role It's sort of teaching the teacher. I want to be a role model to other role models, like with the, the people that I described, the 25 people who are now talking at the Ministry of the Attorney General about lived mental health experience all of them have become role models. And I want to be able to keep fostering that, like developing those people, not just within the Ministry of the Attorney General, but in schools, accounting firms, like just across the board, to be able to nurture enough people who are going to be um, become advocates themselves and real role models. Because it's not automatic. Like once people, they find out my story, it, it doesn't mean that they're going to disclose themselves. It might take quite a bit of time for them to get to the point where they feel comfortable enough uh, to disclose. Um, so, yeah, I feel I almost feel like I could take a little bit of a back seat now because I know there's so many other people out there sharing stories and information and ideas.
0: It seems like a great next step and a way to make sure that this work uh, not only continues, but grows and that the impact, you know, is spread, as you said, you know, spreads to other professions as well. Um, thank you so much for being here today, Beth. It was so wonderful chatting with you, uh, hearing your story, especially um, now, you know, I, I heard it a few years ago for the first time and now to, to hear about what you've done since then, um, it's just, it's incredible and um, we're really happy to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. And hopefully, we'll have you on again sometime (laughs) sounds great (laughs) for all of you watching and listening thank you for joining us you can find more episodes of turning point on spotify on apple podcasts uh, more information about the show as well at preasm.com. and i hope you will subscribe of course and join us again next time until then take care of yourself and each other